analyze the games that we love, headlines and music and the movies we can't forget. I'm host one to burns with my kind of our Savon Morris. Back in the building. Had a had a week off, had a bye week. <laughs> that was like a <laughs> Yeah, we definitely had a bye week. <laughs> Everything's going cope steady, man. Can't complain this way. It's good. I mean Savon's so different, he said, you know. <laughs> that's the old school term. That's the old school. That's the old school. Everything Kobe said, baby. We have a lot of topics to get into for this one. Um, obviously, some NFL topics, college football ones. I'm going to do a, a preview for some NBA topics, but um, also album reviews in the second half. The last half, we're going to do a review of Inglorious Bastards. But to start off with, with thoughts on the 49ers and Eagles, you know, first loss of the season, and which one was kind of more surprising. Uh, San Francisco lost 19-17 to in uh in Cleveland, and this was Brock Purdy's first loss as a starter. And uh, Dustin Hopkins, uh, the kicker, had four field goals for the Browns. Um, and on the other side, the Jets, you know, they won by six at home against Philly, 20-14. to 14. Jalen Hurts had three interceptions. And when you look at the Jets, I mean, their defense was was extremely stout. It's been really elite against um, top-tier quarterbacks. And for San Francisco, um, Cleveland's defense w- was, was also very elite as well. I mean, both sides – for both for both opposition had had to go up against elite defenses. To you, like which loss was more surprising, and which team are you more concerned for going forward? Not concerned. First, I'm not concerned for any of the teams, right. but I think the loss that was more surprising was the 49ers because we just right. seen these guys week in and week out understand what the what to do against most defenses. Cal Shanahan and I, I love Edelman said this. He said, Cal Shanahan is building something incredible with this West Coast offense with all these motions and doing these yeah. all these things and giving the defense a different look and having making them communicate when most times these DBs or linebackers are not communicating effectively. So right. that was the biggest, the biggest um su- well, the, the surprising loss. Because and then you just you add into Debo Samuel being out. He got injured in that game. Trent Williams was playing injured. Christian McCaffrey goes down, I believe, uh, and then that's your that's your playmakers, that's your big time playmakers, the Debo Christian. They they do a lot of things, a lot of plays with those yeah. guys, and then the playbook kind of shrinks a little right. bit. You know, Ayuk is is a good wide receiver, but they have a lot of plays for Christian McCaffrey and Debo mm-hmm. Samuel. So the playbook shrinks. Now Purdy has to play a different game. Now they can't, you know, run a ball effectively. They can't do this and that. So they're kind of, you know, one dimensional and. The 49ers don't like to be one-dimensional. And then you're one-dimensional against a good defense who has a good defense up front who can create chaos even if you're not one-dimensional. So I think the defense played a huge role, obviously, and the injuries played a huge role. I'm not concerned about any of these teams because, hey, it's it's week six – they finally five lost the game. Yeah, 5-1 five five and one is still going into the great um, uh, in a great direction. We don't know, but – we don't know how long Debo Sims is going to be out. Christian McCaffrey, Trent Williams is yeah. banged up. He said he, he played through it because he didn't want to put anybody in a situation to go against Miles Garrett. He got thrown. Yeah. Miles Garrett threw him, which is crazy. It's not strong because Trent Williams is a big guy. Mm-hmm. So no red flags, no, uh, no, 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 none of that. <laughs> I'm just no red shirt. <laughs> yeah. I'm just wondering if they ever is are put in the situation again. How can they unshrink that playbook and, and start direct having a a a 
a vault full of plays for other players just in case this happens because two of your big time players go out and now, like I said, the playbook shrinks a little bit and yeah. you get one dimensional and now the defensive coordinator can cause plays. They can throw blitzes anywhere. They can mm-hmm. go to a bunch of cover two because they didn't know you got guys to take it over the top. So there's a lot of things now. It makes it easier for the defensive coordinator to call plays against this incredible moving West Coast offense. So Absolutely. Um, and before we move on, I mean, th- there's been a conversation or I guess a debate about Brock Purdy in terms of like, hey, is, is Brock Purdy, is he a, is he just, just a product of the San Francisco system or is he like actually a really good quarterback? Like, like, what is your view on it? Like, do you think it's one of those things where he's just benefiting from Kyle Shanahan's system or is he actually one of those guys that when the moment is at the biggest, because obviously he had that injury in the NFC Championship. Yeah. Now we want to see what he can do if he's fully healthy for the NFC Championship and possibly going forward? Before I answer that question, I'm going to say this. For any quarterback, doesn't matter what quarterback you are, when your big-time playmakers are injured in a game and the playbook shrinks, it's going to be difficult to find a way to win. It's not like they lost by a crazy number. They lost by two. They set an opportunity to win that game, but it just fell short. I do think he's a system quarterback. What you see, what what he's done in college... He was, he was, you know, Mr. <laughs> uh, was it uh, Mr. Not Unreliable. Um, Mr. Irrelevant? Yeah, Mr. Irrelevant. <laughs> thank you. I always laugh at that, that they call him Mr. That's Irrelevant. That's so crazy. That's so That's crazy. It's a crazy title. <laughs> but he was seventh round draft pick for a reason. And I right. think he lucked up and got drafted into this great system that allows you to be, allows the, create chaos for the defense and make them communicate. If Purdy doesn't make mistakes, they they do what they do. They are 5-0. and And then they have the weapons to do so. He doesn't have to really do much. So I think he is a system quarterback due to the fact that they have so many weapons. They have one of the greatest offensive coordinators I think that's ever called the game of football because he's continued to create, just like Andy Reid, different ways to make the the defense chaotic and make them want to talk to each other when most of the time they just rely on their God-given talent. But I think he's a system quarterback. I think if he was with anybody else drafting any other system, I don't think he would have even got an opportunity to play. But because he has those that those couple tangible things that will ignite this type of offense and run this type of offense. It accelerates it. Yeah, he accelerates it, and he's been successful in it. And I do think he's a system quarterback. Um, and, and now getting to our to the Bills' close win versus, versus the Giants. Uh, Buffalo won this past Sunday night 14-9, and, and it um, really took three quarters for the Bills to get into somewhat of a groove. Um, this was also the first time since 2019 the Bills have been shut out in the first half. Uh, New York had an extra chance after linebacker uh, Terrell Bernard was uh, flagged for defensive interference on a pass <laughs> intended for Waller um, as as time expired. And I mean, this is this is really one of the games where, as we always mention with Josh Allen, it's just it can it can be a lot better. He can he can be a lot better, but yeah. and and it, it really wasn't shown in this game until as of until later on uh, in, in the fourth yeah. quarter. What were your thoughts on how tight of a game this was for Buffalo and? Also, you know, the time, the time management and, and, and that penalty at the end. Yeah. That mean, f- forget it. I know Bills is a good team. Giants should have won this game. 
And I think going to the halftime, they would have been up even more. And I think it would have been too much for the Buffalo Bills to come back from because they were really distraught in the first half. They've been shut out in the first half since 2019. And you get shut out against a 1-4 team who still has a pretty good defense if you look at it. It's just they have the woes on offense that they're on the field a long periods of time. So don't let's not get crazy about the Giants' defense. They're still really, really good. They have a lot of defensive weapons, especially with Thibodeau. Uh, Williams, I, I like the secondary. I love, I like the guys in the, in the, in the back end. But mm-hmm. I think when it comes to time management and being robbed by the referees, there was a lot of penalties that should have been called. It's it was a lot going on in this game, and yeah. then you 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 go past and go to uh, Josh Allen, who has been rattled. Uh, before and I love how the Giants has capitalized on him being rattled, and it's it's something in his psyche that triggers him, and he doesn't play the way he always played in the first couple of seasons. And I think him him continue to try to play hero ball and trying yeah. to force passes and not actually reading coverages, and you know it's just, it's a lot of things that go into. But a lot I do of factors. think yeah, a lot, a lot of, factors. of factors. But I do think Giants should have won this game for multiple reasons. One. They, they had the upper hand. It was terrible t- um, time management. The referees were against them. I think the offense was moving better. It was just time management and having a new quarterback in there when they're used to Daniel Jones being in there. And Tyrod Taylor took the hands because of Daniel Jones being injured. I think if Daniel Jones would have played, I think it would have been a bit different because he has that chemistry already with the offensive line, chemistry, right. semi-chemistry with the head coach, with the offensive calls. But you can see the frustration going into the half because they missed the opportunity so this was a missed opportunities game this was a missed opportunity it, it a was lot a of lot missed of, opportunities yeah a, a, a lot of left on the table um and now getting into the, the cowboys win in la dallas won 20 to 17 monday night they had a rally in the fourth quarter zach prescott threw for um 272 yards in a touchdown um stefan gilmore picked off herbert at the la 33 yard line with a minute 22 remaining to seal the victory and obviously after that that loss against san francisco what dallas was going to do Everybody was kind of focused on that and see how they would respond back. It went down to the wire. And just like how we talked about with the Bills, I feel as though the Chargers, they had moments and opportunities to, to, to win that game. And they, 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 come, they come up short with the, um, with the turnover at the end. What were your thoughts on this game? And, and did it more so, so just show you, hey, Dallas ha- had to win this because Dak said this was a must win? Or was it more so were you thinking of what the Chargers you know, possibly could have done better? That's a good question. I believe, ooh, that is a good question. I, I, I think it was a must win for just the mentality because everybody has been blowing smoke of the Dallas Cowboys since game one be, beating the New York Giants, right? But the crazy stat is they have, their their defense is number eighth in the entire in, in uh, NFL, oh. the third in passing. And they're 17 in rushing. So when the defense plays really good, the offense really doesn't have to do much but just manage. Yeah. And this game, the defense looked really well. To, even with the Rams' woes on offense and injuries and all these things, they're still one of the uh, a top-tier uh, team of scoring. And to be able to hold them to only, what, it was 17? Yeah, Dolan, sure. 17. 17. You know what I mean? So – 
Only 17 points. Sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. Should have put my phone on uh, Do Not Disturb. It. Bam, bam. But, the, you know, the Chargers have a high-power offense. And to be able to hold them 17, the, the defense really was well. And then Dak Prescott, all he had to do was manage the game. The running game was working. I do think this was a must-win for them just to be in that groove and to have to regain that confidence of getting blown out like they did against the 49ers. And then yeah. Parsons doesn't need a... Uh, podcast anymore. You just stick to Russian <laughs> off the edge, oh my brother. Parsons Ar- wants all the smoke, apparently. <laughs> Kittle, Kittle said, Kittle and Debo Samuel said, man, it's, it's always been personal. It just wasn't personal for that game. It's right. always been personal. It's, exactly. it's going to be worse the next time we play. <laughs> like, yeah, it probably man, will. It probably will be. I, I honestly don't call cap on that. I think it probably will be worse. I mean, San Francisco has their number and they're, every time Dallas plays them, we see almost every flaw brought up, like every like like whenever whenever we see a flaw of Dax, it's just even heightened and expanded more when you play San Francisco because they, like I said, they force him to 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 make you that defense forces you to like actually play a full game. They don't let you yes. play just one half. You gotta you gotta beat us all four quarters. Yes, and they they make him go to the weakness because. Him staying in the pocket, you see this game, he had, what, 47? Yeah, 40 yards rushing, extending the play, doing things. And that's why he was so successful in his first two years, extending plays, getting out of the pocket, going into rush lanes. That's why he was so successful with Mississippi State. He's an extended pocket, he, he's an extended pocket player, but he's best when he runs. He yeah. has the ability to sit in the pocket, but he's not as potent in the pocket because he doesn't have that deep ball threat. They're gonna, they're gonna. A lot of 49ers love giving him a lot of cover two, cover three, love making him read, and then they're gonna get after him and get him, you know, congested in the pocket so he can't run and take away his running lanes. But and then I think the the Chargers did a good job of doing that well. But elite, but he did have 40 yards rushing. It kind of opens it up a little bit. I think it got him the confidence he need. And the best thing about this, he had no interceptions. Yes. Because he game. loves throwing, gifting it to other people. He's just a giver. He's a giver. He's a generous giver. guy. Generous guy. Yeah, he's generous a giver. Guy. Yeah, that's how he was raised. You, <laughs> you know, know, Christmas Christmas time, he's even more generous. Like, hey, <laughs> give some candy to the kids. Give some candy to the kids. He's terrible in December. <laughs> yeah, really bad. He's so terrible in December. <laughs> Too generous. <laughs> Too generous, yeah. Um, and now transitioning to college football and, and, and dealing with the Washington, Oregon thriller. Um, Washington won at home 36 to 33. Michael Penix Jr. had a spectacular game, only needed two plays um, to go 53 yards in 33, in 33 seconds, and um, also threw a 35-yard strike to uh, a, a Jalen Polk between two defenders. And this was one of those games where, I mean, whoever – it felt like whoever had the ball last was going to yeah. win it. This was, this was one of the best games to me of the year. And Washington found a way to close it out. Michael Penix Jr. really impressed me um, throughout it. Um, and Bo Nix, you know, he, he had his moments, moments as well, but it just wasn't enough. Like what stood out to you in this game and, um, just the thrill, the thrilling in, in that it had. I have a newfound respect for Bo Nix. There's just watching him play. And I, I always said this, even when he was with, you know, Auburn. with Auburn and then he went to Oregon, I said, I don't think he's a Sunday player. This game really showed me that he could play on Sundays. Oh, Maybe not alert. start. Yeah, Sunday, Sunday not. Alert. I like that Sunday. <laughs> alert. Maybe not starting on a NFL team, but I think he could play on Sundays. 
He did everything in his power. He played a perfect game. Yeah. 32 for 43, 312 yards, two touchdowns, was was reading the uh, defense really well. He was poised in the pocket. He extended plays. He didn't get rattled. Even in the, the last drive when they tried to kick the field goal to go up and, and, and tie to go into uh, overtime, yeah. that's just – that's football. You're going to miss field goals. That's going to happen. happen. But that drive leading to that, I think Bo Nix did a phenomenal job. The entire game, he played a phenomenal game. And I didn't think, I thought he was going to make a lot of mistakes. I thought he was going to throw interceptions. I thought he was going to play hero ball. I thought they're going to try to rely on the running game because he can't get focused, but he showed that he can play on Sundays. And like you said, Sunday alert. And I already know Penix Jr. was going to be phenomenal. He had the one blemish of interception, obviously. But he played a great game that last drive before Oregon got the ball. Man, he was over there freestyling how they was going to come <laughs> back. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> and he again, he showed that he can play on Sunday. Sunday yeah. alert. I really like that, Willington. Sunday alert. He could play on, on Sundays. I, yeah, I, I have my moments. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man, I have my moments. But no, he both quarterbacks played a good game, even with the blemish for Penix. I thought with clutch time was was needed, and they needed to move the ball. Both both quarterbacks did what they had to do, and I think it just came down to the kicker missing the field goal. We would have probably went into double triple oh, double overtime. overtime. Th- this felt like a double triple overtime type game. Yeah, honestly, it really felt like that. We'll, I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see this this particular matchup again. It's That's what could we see this again? Could we see this again? It's if both both win out, which I don't think will happen because you, you still have Pac twelve championship. Yeah. You still have uh, Ohio, like it's other, you know, the Big Twelve, all these other uh, teams with the the rival week and the the, the championship games. It's going to get interesting down the wire. I think this is the first year in a long time. That is about to get interesting. It's going to get interesting, man. It's going to get interesting. Because we very much well might get this matchup again. I'm I all for this. it. I want to see I'm this again. I'm all for it. I'm all for I it. I want to see part two. I want to see part two of this. This is this this definitely needs to be continued. Um, mm-hmm. and, and now getting to, to our, our next topic with uh, USC's first loss. Um, they lost 48-20 to 20 to Notre Dame as Xavier Watts inter- intercepted Caleb Williams twice and returned a fumble for a touchdown. Um, Williams had been only intercepted once, but um, before – He's also sacked four times um, by Notre Dame, finished with about 199 yards passing. And this is we we kind of felt as though, man, like they were due for a loss like this. Like yeah, USC, sure. we said USC, like we don't buy them. We feel we feel as though they're getting by, they're skating by, and they finally mm-hmm. met their match. Yep. And it just it really showed because they got they they got thoroughly dominated by by Notre Dame. Notre Dame played an exceptional game. Uh, yes, what were your what were your takeaways from from this matchup and, and um, the overall outcome? Notre Dame defense did a great job taking away his 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 running lanes. Yeah. Because we all know Caleb Williams is best when he extends plays, when he gets out the pocket, because that offensive line is not that good. He makes them look good by extending the play and getting down the field and allowing the wide receivers, because they so have so much great chemistry to get the open lanes in the in the in the zones. And after a while, after he's running, obviously DBs are going to get away. They're, you know, they're going to get out their zones. And that's why they're so successful. And that's why they have so many points uh, in, yeah. in the game. But they did a great job taking his uh throwing th- throwing lanes away, taking his running lanes away to extend the play, making that offensive line look as terrible as they did all season. But now it was shown because they had four sacks, it was a bunch of hurries, a lot of takeaways. It is not like they were doing a lot 
on the on the back end. They were running two safety high sometimes. They was running cover three a lot. A lot of co- they was running cover zero. They were blitzing him. It, yeah. It's a simplistic defensive coordinator playing with a quarterback who can extend the play. So they did a great job of not making mistakes and 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 holding not even a flashlight, the sun. They they went to space and grabbed the sun and shined on this offense and said, this is how many holes y'all have and we're going to exploit them. And that's exactly yeah. what they did. And then the offense with Hartman, they're just not going to make many, many mistakes, especially when he gets the ball <laughs> every three right. minutes. Yeah, <laughs> He's going to put points up. So, man, Notre Dame played a great game and that defense played a better game. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. They exploited every exceptional. But I don't get, I don't knack Caleb Williams for nothing. He tried his best. He, did. he was running for his life. He was trying to, yeah, he was trying to do all those things that he normally does. But this defense and his defense coordinator did such a great job game unstoppable. against him. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Just, just, just unstoppable. Um, and, and now getting to our most intriguing week eight. Uh, well, before we get to that, we got to mention Colorado. Um, that their their game against Stanford, the twenty nine. I don't, man, I honestly was stunned seeing that because it was one of those games where really I was like, okay, this, this game is like, yeah, it's about to get, watch the NBA preseason. (laughs) And then, and then it was just like, wake up Saturday morning. I was like, oh, wait, they lost that. (laughs) All right. This is the third loss. 300 receiving yards or something like that. Some crazy 13 and 260 or something like that. Almost 300 receiving yards. And what was your analysis? What was your analysis for that, man? They got comfortable. Dairy. The secondary was definitely comfortable. And I didn't think the secondary was this bad. But the the starting corner, I think he's number three or five, just didn't show up second half. Travis Hunter, I'm not going to, you know, he didn't show up. I mean, he's a smaller smaller DB in that wide receiver. is like six six five, probably 205. So it was a mismatch, even as great as Travis Hunter is. I don't think his plays played an account of going both ways. I don't think that was an issue. I think it was a mismatch because this dude is huge. 6'2", it's probably 6'3", 6'4", 205 pounds per muscle, long arms, definitely going to play on Sundays. Yeah. And he has a motor. And he has great hands. And with Travis Hunter being as small and, and being undersized, he was trying his best. I mean – he took over the game by himself. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's interesting, really but I, I I didn't think the secondary was that bad. And then the offense just got stagnant. And I think the the play calling got stagnant as well. I think after they came out the half, it was like, oh, we're up 29-0. This is the first time we ever did this. And then, oh, second half, we're we're second half team, so I know we're going to be good second half. It just came out flat. And then the defense tried to trickle down to the offense and everything just – yeah, just just crumbled. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> but it all falls down, huh? Easy. Um, Segway, segway, segway. <laughs> <laughs> um, Not segway time. <laughs> But but for our most intriguing week eight game, one that stands out is Penn State Ohio State because yes. I mean both teams are in top ten at the time uh, um, at the time of this meeting for the fourth time since twenty seventeen, and for for Penn State to get that college playoff berth 
that they that they've really been wanting for a while. They're going to have to get get past teams like this, and this is going to be just one of those just really crucial games for both teams, obviously, mm-hmm. and uh, um, and, and one that that's really going to de- determine what what's what is the team's fate um at the end of the season. But to you, is there any, an intriguing game uh, that that stands out early? Oh, for sure, Michigan, Michigan State. And I know people saying, ah, Michigan State's two and four. They have a head coach that's about to get fired going through this process. But remember, this is a rival game. And Michigan State has upset Michigan a bunch of times, even when they weren't supposed to. So this is a rival game. And they, you know, these players come out and it's a newfound hope, newfound energy. They find it under the trees, in the anywhere to play a rival game. This is rival week, baby. So I think that's going to be a really good game. If Michigan comes out flat like they did last week against Indiana, Michigan State might surprise some people. But yeah. if Michigan comes out and on fire, obviously they won 52 to 7 against Indiana. But I'm just saying they started out flat. I think somebody said they it was uh they drunk some melatonin <laughs> before the game. Um I was like, okay, that's okay. You all said right. I'm like, air, buddy. Okay. All right, that's oh weird. Um, but the next game, Duke, Florida State. You know I'm high on Duke. They lost one yes. game. They lost a good game against a Notre Dame team. Now they play Florida State. Florida State is going to play their first, uh, well, their second big game. Real game. Is AC, re, second real game. Thank you. That's even better. Against the ACC team that is well aware and, and capable of beating them. And it's going to be a good game. I'm, I'm interested how they're going to match up against Coleman on the outside. Are they going to run a bunch of cover three? Because I think the running game hasn't been working. Are they going to, you know, go one on one on the outside and try to blitz them or cover three, have the safety on top? Are they going to do two safeties over top to take away the big play? Because they love Florida State, loves going one on one, getting that matchup, and they're going to throw it regardless. I don't, it don't matter if he's on the two yard line or the sixty yard line or the, the thousand yard line. They're going to throw it to Cole. So yeah. I'm interested in how this defensive coordinator is going to match up. With that wide receiver, I mean, obviously you got the the other big fella. I can't remember his name, but Cole Coleman is one of the guys, a Michigan Michigan State transfer, who has made this offense a thousand times better. So I'm wondering how that Duke defense is going to do against them. Yeah, and before we move on to the NBA, I, um, I, I meant to mention earlier with NFL, there there's a couple interesting games. Obviously, Lions, Ravens, and Dolphins, Eagles. Um, wh- which one out of those two kind of stands out to you more? Because I mean. Dolphins, Eagles, obviously Dolphins are a high-flying offense. Eagles coming out off their first loss. And then with the Lions, we're really seeing them be one of the impressive NFC teams staying consistent um, for, for, for the early part of the year. You said um, – out of, out of Between the Lions, Ravens, and uh, Dolphins, Eagles game. W- which one? Which I like, I like Dolphins, Eagles game better. I think Lions and – Ooh, no, I'm gonna take that back. I like the I like the Baltimore and the Lions Detroit. game. Yeah. And I say that because they the Lions have a hard time with mobile quarterbacks. And we've seen that the first game of the season. And obviously we didn't see that against Green Bay because we don't have an offensive line right now. So we couldn't like extend the play and stuff. But even with when they play Justin Fields and even when they play Patrick Mahomes, they have a hard time adjusting. So Hutchinson, even though he had that interception last week and read the, they had to go against Lamar Jackson, the option, those tight ends. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a lot fast paced. 
I think it's going to be a good game. And I think that defense for the Ravens are, I think they're, they're going to throw some blitzes and they're going to throw some different packages at Jared Goff. And they're going to try to stop that run game. And I think that's the whole MO. If you stop the Lions run game with David Montgomery, even in with Jamar Gibbs, I think you have a chance and Jared Goff is going to have to beat you with his arm. And he's, he's not consistent enough to beat teams with his arm and they rely heavy on the running game. And it's, it's, it's a known fact. It's, it's no secret. The Lions, I mean, they're old school. They're going to run the football, play action. They're going to get one-on-one on the outsides. They're going to try to take away the middle of the field or, you know, streak up the middle of the field with tight ends. So I think that's going to be a good game. Not saying the Dolphins, the Dolphins and Wisconsin are not going to be a good game. I think this should be, really be good better. Too. Yeah. yeah, it's going to be good. But I, I think I, I want to see this, this defense yeah, against Lamar Jackson. Yeah, Definitely. Um, and now getting to NBA with uh, kind of like which NBA team should be the favorite. Um, and it's interesting because Milwaukee, like we said, Milwaukee is the on-paper team. Um, but we haven't seen it. We haven't seen it yet. So no. for, for the regular season. So that's still a, a, a wait-and-see type of deal. The Celtics obviously improved their roster. Um, but I really, I still like the Denver team. I, I still like what the Nuggets have because I feel as though they have a lot of continuity. Um, Jokic and Murray have so much chemistry. And when you have that championship pedigree, it's only up for Jokic. Like if Jokic wants to get better, he can he can even expand his game more. Um, but his determination, his ambition as the, the lead guy, as one of the best facilitators is going to really be the key. And I think I would put them as, as the favorite right now. Um, who who would be your NBA favorite um, before the season starts? Um, I'm I'm going back and forth. I want to say Denver, but uh, Porter even has an ankle injury right now. He was a big yeah. part of that run. Jamal Murray is infamous for his knee injuries. Uh, they they have a, a lot of young 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 pieces. They got a, a you know got rid of a, a bunch of pieces. So I don't I want I don't want to say Denver. I want to say the Golden State Warriors. Because everybody's healthy. Obviously, all those guys are older. They have those plaguing injuries. But I think right now I'm seeing some great chemistry, even in the preseason. They're 4 0. I'm I'm loving the okay. Chris Paul edition. I'm loving that Steph Curry can run around and get open. This is heaven have, for him. This is, yeah. this is a for him. Like that's I what he loves to do, relocate. anyways. Yeah relocate i can set up um clay thompson as well so they can get to their spots they have a true point guard not saying steph curry is not a true point guard but he's more of a, sh- a shooting guard in my eyes that has the ball and they love giving him um giving him plays to get him open now you have chris paul now you can solidify those plays and get your shooters open and then obviously an efficient Drake, playmaker yeah. an efficient yes. playmaker who is like the point as people call the point guide him with Steph Curry, I mean that's a match made in heaven, bro. Yeah, in a mid-range giant, he's only what he's six three, but he's a mid-range giant. He's has one of the sweetest mid-ranges ever. ever, and it slows down the game when you need it. It manages the game when you need it. So I don't, I don't think they're going to need it because they're fast paced. They love to run. They love to uh, go on breaks. And I think it's, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be interesting. Twenty eighteen, you remember twenty eighteen? Yeah, we had our, our early, early podcast. Yeah, we were talking about the Rockets, and I said it's gonna work. Like Chris Paul is gonna fit. He's like, well, Wellington, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? Make it was the conference finals. <laughs> it looked my my take looked good. It looked good. <laughs> but they got one of the terrible, most terrible oh. uh, twenty seven consecutive threes missed. Seven consecutive. 
But you were right. And you didn't have to bring that back up. And you know, you, you, that's why you were smiling. You don't have to bring that up. I already apologized to you five years ago, buddy. Five years ago, man. Petty. <laughs> Definitely Petty. Tom Petty. <laughs> Tom Petty. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break and be right back. Welcome back to the show. And now we're getting into our album reviews, and we're joined by a special guest, Maurice Hendricks, who's been on countless times in the past. And thanks so much for being back on, bro. Of course, man. Anytime. Pleasure to be here. Absolutely. And to start off with our um, first album review with Drake's For All the Dogs, um, in his new project, you know, there's a, a wide variety of nuanced beat selection. And, and, you know, obviously the Frank Ocean sample to start the intro, Virginia, Virginia Beach, it's got some um, really high level RB cuts, and Drake's being uh, more experimental and versatile from obviously the, the singing to RB, popping and rapping in various styles. And Reese, this has been like, this album has caused a firestorm like I haven't seen in a long time. Everybody was was quick to their their uh, harsh uh, cr- 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 critiques on it. I mean, for me overall, I really like the project. I, I, I enjoyed the R&B cuts on this. I feel as though Drake had a, a really good intro with, with the Virginia Beach. You still had that, that freestyle with ADM and Charlotte. It was, to me, just was good music. I enjoyed it overall. I know some people were, were expecting a different, like, full... 8 a.m. in Charlotte type of, of vibe for it. And I feel as though that's not something he's ever going to do. But to you, what were your your initial thoughts on the album and just kind of your takeaways? Yeah, man, I think that was the biggest thing was like, I think people that went in expecting it really to be for all the dogs are going to be disappointed, right? And that that's the name of the album, right? And I think like, I think what I realized with this album was that even I had kind of gave up that he was going to do like 8 a.m. in Charlotte all the way through. He doesn't really have to do that anymore. He has nothing to prove. So I think if you go in with that mindset and like, that's what I did when I listened to the album, I was expecting another like disappointment. I'm not going to lie. So expecting the disappointment. But then when I got like, honestly, I would say like a very good, like mixture of like, um, at least the production style of old Drake, but like his new like content that he raps about, I was pleased because like it sounded like he tried on this album. It sounded like There's he effort. had passion. Yeah, there was effort compared to other albums. You know, it, it just didn't like there was like very minimal effort went into the actual song structure and the like production of the song of the music. But this album, the the song production was top notch. The composition was very good, and there's song structure and stuff like that. I think the only thing that Drake is really lacking, and I think this is where his core fans are really like getting to him at is like the content right so the content is what's missing is like old drake used to rap about like wanting to make it and having all these like aspirations and that was inspirational to that's where everybody was at that's where everybody everybody's like i want to get there too so we're on the same journey but now he's just rapping about the same thing he's been rapping about for the past few albums and like nothing's changing he's not growing as a person and so people are starting to notice that and i think that's why people that's why this album is so controversial because the people that are like attacking it, I think, are like not looking at it from the lens of like musical growth. They're more so looking at a at it from a lens of like Drake as a person isn't growing, and that's reflecting in his music. And that's saying? the problem. And that's the problem I have because I'm like, you have songs like Drew Picasso tried our best, Bahama promises. Like, there are so many songs on members only. There's so many songs here where I'm like, it's good music, but people are just like. Man, this isn't like what we're the same journey you were on and take care. I'm like, <laughs> I, he's, I get it. He's not there anymore. And I get he's the people there. that people want. Like, 
those albums are still there for you to listen to. But I'm yeah, saying yeah. if you're going to listen to them now, it's just going to be a different type of um, experience. To, to you, Savon, um, what were your initial thoughts on on the album? Bruh, that's what my initial thoughts of the album. And I'm a I'm an OG Drake fan. Yeah. So there was one the marketing behind it kind of gave us the sense that it was going to be similar and his best work yet. And I, and to, to yeah. piggyback on what you were saying, content in pro, to the growth of production goes hand in hand to me anyways, as an yeah. artist, because if you're growing in production, you're going to grow in content or how you think and how you're moving. Even when he was going through his beefs or whatever, it was still different from him talking about love. Cause you go from, um, take care to nothing was the same to boom, boom, boom. He's progressing production wise and content wise. And now it just sounds like some of these songs should never made it. Like I don't, the one with Yeet, why? That's the only one. Well, I would say, okay, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know, man. I feel now, indifferent about that song. Because no, here's the, here's bro, the thing. It should never he, made here's, it, the, here's the thing. That song is like charting, I think, one or two. Because yeah, yeah. the younger the younger generation loves Yeet. They love Yeet. That track wasn't for me. And the one, with, the one so with Bad terrible, Bunny. Bro. The one with Bad Bunny wasn't for me. It was but, terrible. Oh, no. terrible. That was another one terrible. I didn't, terrible. I didn't need him to rap in Spanish. But other than that, I was good seven, with it. <laughs> seven, six, nine, seven, six, nine. Or seven, seven, nine, six, nine, Santa. Terrible. Terrible. Production garbage. That song Another garbage, late night with Yachty. Should have never made it. No, nah, you're tripping. You're tripping. I was fired. Should have never made it. Oh, it was not, bro. That, that should have never made that it. music video? Yeah. That's what you're thinking. That's what you own. The music and the, what they were talking about, bro. It wasn't. Yeah, I the best it. song on here, and I hate him. to say it, was Rich Baby Daddy. That is the best song on Oh, my goodness. The second one is It better not be doing with with sexy red, bro. You that tripping. is that is going to be the most played song. It's going to be the most played year. song. It's, it's going to be the, the best no, in terms, song on here in terms of the commercial impact. Like, okay, yeah, saying. it's a good song, but there's so just, many better better songs. Just looking at trends, look at um um God's plan, that type of song. That's not a really great song, but it's you catchy. put something by it's catchy, and then it was the um with the um the city girls was supposed to, but he chopped up. DK, do you feelings. love me? Yeah. Those tracks. He knows what he's doing. Those are his best tracks on his album because of the replayability, the marketing behind it, and yeah. the longevity of the app. And the, Re- in my opinion, First Person Shooter is the best song on this. I'm about to say, that can't be your actual opinion, right? The That no. sexy red. Okay, no, 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 good. Because no, no. I'm about no, no, to say, dude, to me, <laughs> you know, I, I was like, say, how are you going to be an OG fan and think <laughs> and that's the like, best track of the album? I'm joking. Reese, what are your top three? What are your top three for this album? Virginia Beach, number one, bro. I'm sorry. That Frank Ocean <laughs> sample, legendary, bro. I was a legendary you're, sample. You're tripping. That's like... Of course, it's not one of his best intros, pin wise. Exactly, you know what I'm saying? which exactly. is the thing, right? I think if exactly. he would have like did something else on that sample, uh, then why even if he kept the one? same production, but it's just melodic. It's supposed to be melodic. Bro, yeah, no. it's just like it's just the intro track that yeah. you know better. It's the than mood that. for the album. Reese, you know what I'm saying? Reese, you know better. Keep the family oh, no, close. Leather. Tuscan you know Leather. Tuscan Leather's best intro. Yeah, the family you know. close was not. Keep the family close was an intro, and it was not bar heavy. It was literally just an right. You're, and that's you're, what I'm saying. I think no, that's, I think that's this, different. It was still a great song. This it one, was. the only thing we love about it. Now the sample I'm saying is going crazy. Yeah, but yeah. the content didn't match it. 
I agree. I agree. I agree. And that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm. That's what I'm talking about. Like sure. the production on this album was incredible. It's fire. Right? It's amazing. But high transition. Yes. The yes. DOG radio. Bro, yes. It's yes. ingenious. Dude, I love that. that. Was, and that's I what I'm that. talking about. Yeah. That's what I loved about the album. <laughs> yes, it's yeah, dope. Yeah. But it didn't match up right. Yeah, this should have been a 15 song album, or yeah. 17. I'll say 17. It should have been 17. Some of these songs they had should have made it. But I think if you're if his intro would have been better, then it would have set the mood better. Because first yeah, of yeah. all, we get spoiled. We get a Frank o- Ocean kind that's, of like production, and then you give us those weak bars. Yeah, yeah. It just sounded too playful. If you're gonna use Frank Ocean, who has not been seen, he's like a unicorn. Yes, no he pun literally intended. Is, bro. No really pun is. intended. If you're gonna use that, bro, you gotta come. And I was, I was an OG listener. Yeah. Drake's intro and ending of his albums are always so consistently yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. So he's spoiled us. Like, mm, he's yeah, us. I mean, champagne poetry. Us. I mean, he's, yeah. he's spoiled. But that's, what I'm, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. For this album, though, I think it matches. Even though, yeah, it's not like intro. When you compare it to his other intros, right, it's not those. Mm. But I think for but this still album, a good intro. it still it's does the intro, job. Man. And still, just using Frank Ocean is an like automatic that. W. You yes. know what I'm See, that's I, what you get the first. I know, I know, it, I know. I do agree though that the bars don't match with the lyrics, and or the bars don't match with the 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 track. Right? What could have been on the track? I would say, but I think like I think like that's the kind of the whole album. Like I think what I what I take from this album was like, and that's what I'm saying. Like he did try on the composition and the structure of the album. And it felt like there was a theme here, right? You had the Bark Radio. You have all this, like, stuff going on. That was smart. But then when you think about the actual content, like, and compare it to what he used to talk about, you know what I'm saying? Then that's when the mismatch happens. But I think you have to kind of separate out his old stuff from this project and just objectively look at it as, like, a single project. Because if any other artist did this, you wouldn't, like... Yeah, exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Like, but I think something that academics has been saying, uh, I don't know if y'all like watch academics. Yeah. But I don't give them airwaves. <laughs> it's basically just like the reason why people hate on Drake so much for this album is because, yeah, like everybody's kind of recognizing him as, as a goat right now. Like it's like he's like one away from Michael Jackson. He did it. You know what I'm saying? He is like our modern Michael Jackson. You know he what I'm is. saying? He, he rapped about that on First Person First Shooter. Person. And so like I think at that level, you have to kind of hold him at a higher standard. You know yes. what I'm saying? He That's should we be ta- giving yeah, us the best. Yeah. Yes. So I definitely agree. As far as going back to the original question, which was my top three, it'd be like Virginia Beach. I agree. First person shooter. Um, and I, I I like Slime You Out, to be honest, with SZA. I think it's good, bro. Um. Fear of Heights is also up there for me. Fear of Heights is crazy. Fear yeah, Heights is yeah. crazy. And I Daylight. Think Daylight isn't. That goes stupid. Daylight goes I'm stupid. A, yeah. I'm about to walk out, guys. Uh, you didn't like Slime You Up, bro? It has Scissor on it, dog. No. This That's is why crazy. I don't like it. I think Scissor should have went first. Drake, and we talked about this on the cast. Drake tried to, when Drake tries to sing, sing, put that at the end. Because normally... Like we were talking about doing it wrong, Ryan. You, yeah. he's not really trying to sing, sing. It's just yeah. melody. It's a hook. But he tried to really sing, and I was yeah. like, oh. And then Scissor came in, saved it a little bit. But the ending yes. was the best. Yeah. So put Scissor first, yeah. then put you, and then you end it well. 
I just yeah. the format of the song, I didn't like it. And it, and I knew it was gonna be an album song. It wasn't a single song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's performing well though. I think it's like yeah. it, it was I, it, it's for a, a while it was above. Yeah, yeah. I I agree. It's scissor. That power that scissor has right now is insane. Um, but yeah, those are those are my top shot tracks. But I don't know. Virginia Beach, I I despite it not being Tuscan leather. We're for comparing. Example. We're comparing Drake yeah. to Drake. We're comparing just switch Drake it. To exactly, Drake. exactly. Exactly. I think we should just switch it. A man should have been first, and then Virginia Beach. I think a man would because that's a a cold, that's a cold, uh, yeah. cold play, that's bro. Cold. Yeah. yeah. Like at and first, I yeah. yeah, yeah. I like to. Tizo impressed me. Tizo impressed me. Yeah. Yes. That should have been first, and then Virginia Beach can kind of flow into calling for you a little. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe just tweak that a little bit. But I thought a man was a good song. It was solid. I don't know if it's an intro track though. I still think Virginia yeah. Beach is the perfect intro track that's for like, this you album. You start off with oh, Frank because you start off bro. Did I tell you when I put this album on? I didn't even know it was Frank Ocean before one of my friends pointed it out to me. I just knew that this sample was insane. And I was like, this is a good intro. Like, yeah, it's not Tuscan Leather where he's like rapping crazy, but like Drake just knows no, what he does on intros. When he says, yeah. when he says no and that beat drops, don't see that you go crazy. <laughs> Bro, yeah, man. Wrong, bro. I'm telling you, bro. All the, he don't have to like go crazy with the rap, bro. He could have did a different approach to agree, that though. track. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Because you just, I, to me, that was a folly, bro, to have a Frank Ocean sample and it go that crazy. I don't know who made that beat. I want to I want to get 40. I want to say 40. 40, 40 I don't say 40 on that type I'm of time. Look. I'm a look. I'm a look. Yeah, no, I think look. it was 40, bro. I think it was. Bro, forty was all over this album. Finally, like that's what I'm saying. We yes. got we got that old OG yeah, it was forty and this dude named Harley. Also, I don't know, bro. We just know it was forty, bro. Like that. That's that's all you forty. You're the go. Forty. You're the go. <laughs> no, for sure. That was that was a dope dope production. But yeah, he's I going just, away for a year. He, he said he said he's taking a year away. He's he's who? not gonna make it. Drake. He said he's gonna take a Good. year away from music. Good. Did he say just a year? He said a year. Um, okay. Good. Say, Good. Savon is Savon's in his Joe Button bag. Savon's in his Joe <laughs> Button bag. <laughs> How dare you? I'm not going to Joe and Adam. Joe and Adam. <laughs> I didn't say the album was bad. I didn't say it album. was bad. It's a really good album. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't not no really. And it's it it's a good album. It's it's mid slash okay. That's it. Mid okay. slash okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Yeah, that's oh, top three, okay. top three uh, timestamp tracks, top three uh, timestamp tracks ever. No, I mean, no. I mean, like, what will be your, what will be your guys' oh, top, oh, top, oh, top three? Oh, okay, um, uh, I would still have five a.m. in Toronto, six p.m. in New York, and then four yep. p.m. in Calabasas. Yep, those three right there. Those are my go-to. I think Loki no. do not disturb counts as well. But that is yeah. like thirty for thirty. Eight a.m. in Germany. Thirty for thirty freestyle. But that's not it. That's not a timestamp. That's not a timestamp. Low key, bro. Low key, bro. He didn't say a time. He didn't say two a.m. No, because he said he said he wrote this on a plane. He was on a plane. He just didn't name it. come on, man. And do not disturb. He said eight a.m. in Germany, bro. That's all I need. Yeah, That's all I need. Do not disturb is good. I mean, I, yeah, I, got, a, I think 30 for 30 is a time step song, bro. He's just named it 30 for 30 at that time because he had big ring chip. Like it was everything was yeah, going at the yeah, time. So sure. you got to name it. Who would have got a 6 six twenty a.m. in uh, Miami Dolphins? I don't know. He would have said some stupid crap, yeah, but he got yeah. 30, 30 freestyle. Yeah, but that, yeah. that whole track was just, 
Nine AM in Dallas Drake, goes crazy bro. too. Nine AM in Dallas goes crazy too. Yeah, yeah, it is. That's, that's, that's a good one too. Sure. Yeah. I don't know that. Yeah, that's hard. I would definitely want to. I know I saw somewhere online with someone was doing the comparisons between the Heart series and Drake's Timestamp series. Drake's time like stamp. which one y'all? Which one y'all taking? Drake's Timestamp. Drake's Timestamp for sure. I'm okay, taking Drake's okay. Timestamp. He's burning it up. What was on the Heart? What was I got to see the list on the Kendrick heart. Kendrick's Heart hey, Kendrick. series. Oh, Kendrick's Heart. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm taking Timestamp. It's not as memorable. I'm just. It's just. Not yeah, I agree. I do think like Kendrick definitely pushes the boundaries of music with those. Yeah. The heart series, like the transitions, the amount of like composition, especially with the heart part five. But I think like bar wise, I think like just like consistency, like Drake has it with the time. Yes, steps. bro. And people, they said Joe Budden could rap better. Oh yeah. no, God! Hey, bump, first of all, bump, first bump of all, up. I'm a big fan <laughs> of the Joe Budden pocket, but no, as a rap, no, don't no, don't even start. No. Don't even I'm start. like, don't. have y'all not heard? Did y'all forget? Did, I, did y'all forget? Did I lose you? Did I? <laughs> Did I, bro? He was going bananas on that track, like, bro. That's why they, I hold they want to the lyrical. Standard. They want the lyrical miracle spherical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bro. Nah, nah, bro. Bro, Drake is, bro. He's not just a great rapper Come because on. he has melodies. Is versatile, bro. That boy be spitting. He's got a yeah. pen. He's got a pen. I think the way you got to look at it though is, I think Drake's music always ages, bro. Yes. Like, no matter how you not just, these last, like, you have to. No, no, bro. Come on. <laughs> I be listening to. Honestly, never mind. Okay. Okay. Let's see. I'm trying to be because maybe the, I don't be listening like that. Her but loss like, and all that stuff. Uh-uh. Like I'm talking about like views though, right? Like yeah. when views yeah. came out, right? Nobody was. Everybody was like, Nah, bro. Like I hated it. it. I was in love with it. I know, but people, people, oh, people hate it though. People hate it though. That was but such now, a beautiful. Come on, that's viewed as a classic. That and it bro, is a classic. It's a classic. Yeah, I don't a classic. skip a track on skip, there, bro. Not one, not yeah. one. And now I'm not saying songs. this will have the and same like effect. Songs. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying this will have the same effect because I think like compositionally, it's like two different audiences, right? Like views was like for the for Toronto. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's for his like yeah. You know what I'm saying for the journey he made it right. This is like peak Drake, like where he was like highest honored Drake, you know? Now he's more so just like, I'm still out here accomplishing acclimates and now I'm just going to do this new style and appeal to more people and do it well. And I think that's what this album was. While at the same time, giving us like a little bit of his past production, which is why I was like, I got what I wanted out of this album, even though, yeah, like it wasn't like take care nothing was the same it was drake trying which is something he hasn't been doing in the past few albums so that's why i like the album definitely um and i'll get into our next album review with west side guns and then you pray for me um in his in his new and reportedly last album ever he put together another body of work that is unique and entertaining uh west side tries to use more trap beats on this album still got cooks as, as multiple amazing features and traditional additions to the tracks such as benny the butcher and Conway the machine deliver elite lyricism and, and I really, I really did enjoy this this project because I feel as though Westside he he did try to implement more of those trap beats. There is high level of lyricism, and I feel as though he is just such a, a really impressive lyricist, and he knows the type of features that works well on his projects. Um, but to you, Maurice, what, what were some of your initial takeaways? Um, I don't know, man. I actually I don't really listen to Westside Gun like that. So this is the first album I think I listened to, um, like all the way through. Yeah, and I don't know, man. I think it's just it's not really my my cup of tea, like music wise. Uh, I did enjoy just the production. I think like 
like that Griselda tag, like it's instantly instantly recognizable, right? Yeah, you know, what I'm everybody saying? can tell that. Yeah, you know, everybody can tell the production that 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 style. Um, I did like a few of the songs. I think my favorite one was Babylon Bliss. That one, I I think what I expected from this album was more of that. Like, if I would have got an album for that, you know, what I'm saying that song, then I would have been like good with the style. But I think a lot of the other stuff, I was like, eh, like it's not for me. I can see where the value is though, in terms of like. Because I think the production, again, was very good. I feel like lately production has been crazy, like in the, yeah. the music industry, you know what I'm People saying? People have been, yeah, they've been giving it their all production wise. Yeah, for real. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I think the album was good, just not for me. Uh, Savon, to you, what, what were your initial takeaways and, you know, how, did were you impressed by it or did you feel as though it was just a decent project? It was too long. Too long for that type of style. Needed to be at least 15 songs. There was some some type of listenability to it. I don't think you would save the whole track. I do think I like Babylon Bish as well. I like the one with Rick Ross, Dunhill. Um, there were some other ones splattering around, but I thought it was a, the production was really good. Um, but I think West Gun is like a, an acquired taste. Yeah, and for sure. sometimes it's, it's more of the boom bap. It's, it's, yeah, exactly. it's for the boom bap fans. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, I like him as a, a MC and a, a lyricist. But this, this was too long. Oh, and the one with Denzel, uh, Denzel Curry, the Ultra Gazelle or whatever that is. But I thought that was dope too because I'm starting to become a bigger fan of Denzel Curry. Yeah, because he slept on a little bit. I think he's a good rapper. But For yeah, sure. it's just too, it's just too much. Twenty one songs is at this point just fifteen, bro. Can we just, miss can we just request? Albums, can we just request dude. like fourteen to fifteen song projects? Bro. Like Cleo Soul, Cleo Soul so just giving us ten. Cleo Soul just yeah. giving us ten. She gives us the perfect amount of. For and it's albums. beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful yeah. music. Definitely. Yeah, dude. Um, and now get into our next album review with Offset to set it off. Um, in this project, you know, there's a, there's a lot of uh, traditional bangers that usually that that really work for Offset. Um, there's vulnerability on certain tracks such as uh, "Say My Grace" and then tracks like "Hop Out the Van" and, and "I'm On" have more of the trap heavy influence. Uh, to you, Maurice, what, what were your thoughts on this? Because this was a really anticipated project. Obviously, you know, with more of his solo effort, me and Tavon had mentioned, he, he kind of feels as though like more of the traditional solo artist out of the Migos, one who can kind of like yeah. stay in his yeah. own lane and hold his own. Yeah. Uh, how, did you, how did you kind of feel about this album overall? No, I definitely agree with that. I feel like Quavo was definitely more of a t- um, uh, feature artist. Like a lot of people just liked him for features and stuff. Right. And so his solo products like didn't really translate well. But Offset has always been to me like one of the, more well like versed Migos, you know what I'm saying, members. And so for this album, yeah, I feel like he just kind of even compared to his last albums, I feel like he just kind of was in a different lane than he used to be. Uh he feels more like an a individual solo artist, like you said, than like yeah. part of the Migos, you know, as offset. It felt right. like this was like an offset project and he sounded confident. He sounded how he sounded like he was having fun on this project. And yeah, I enjoyed it. The production was good as well. Just like like I said, I feel like production is just really good these days. Yeah. Uh, and no, no, none of the beats, like, even though the flow was very similar across the project. Yeah. The beats still sounded different. You know what I'm saying? The mm. beat, I mean, uh, yeah, the beats sounded like different and I was able to still get into every song and, and yeah, I feel like uh, there was a lot of good production, especially from Boy Wonder. A lot of his tracks oh, are, sure. yeah. are fire. Yes. Uh, and Offset did well to match that energy. Definitely. Um, to, to you, Savon, like Maurice was saying, the production was really high level here, and it felt as though he kind of was in. He's he's in the pocket he wants to be in, 
um, over the years, he's kind of progressed into more of that standalone artist. So, so uh, yeah. How, how did you kind of feel about this overall? Tighten it up. 21 yeah. songs again. It, didn't even this long. it got, it got a little redundant. Yeah. 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 Cause like you said, he's, it's only so much you could do with your voice. <laughs> it's only so much you could do with your I mean, case. it's offset. And, yeah. Yeah. I mean, offset. I was surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that like so many times. Bro. <laughs> we know who you are, bro. Y'all got a group yeah. anymore. Yeah, come yeah. on, man. We know who you are. You don't have to say who you are anymore. But no, it should have been concise, but I was surprised at the the, the way I was going to... I like this. I, yeah. I actually like this album. I think he did step up to the plate and kind of like this is I think it's a slip on out. I think this is a sleeper of the year. Mm. Um I do because the first the first six songs, I mean, he started yeah, a, the album off nice. So good. Yeah. So boom, 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 boom. And then obviously you get in the middle, you put the plug in songs, and then you try to yeah. put the rest at the back. I mean, that's that's typical the filler, the filler songs. Yeah, filler songs typical how you you know align a, a album. But I was I was pleased and I was impressed on the energy he had. The bars were there. There weren't like crazy bars, but he said a few things that had me like, okay, okay, Offset. Yeah. Okay. I do still think uh, Takeoff was the better rapper out of all the three. Oh, for sure. But mm, I think mm. Offset is the the one who can go and be a solo act and kind of bring out an album. Because like you said, Quavo is just, <laughs> al- solo album is just. Nah, <laughs> not it. He felt like the feature on the album, bro. Yeah, like. <laughs> Right, but nah, this was it's just it's concise. Fifteen songs, I think, going to be even better because then you take out the filler songs and it's just yeah. you you can listen straight through and let it play instead of kind of, you know skipping. But I thought it overall was a good good album. And, and I know we've mentioned a lot about longer albums. I, looking back at albums like All Eyes on Me and Life After Death, Tupac had twenty seven songs, Biggie had twenty five, and there was almost no skips. It's almost yeah. like they were like, but that's that's Different the thing, era. like. You know what I mean? Because it's like looking back, like like like, why do you guys think artists like that were able to just like kind of um, um, hit it almost on every track and not really have a lot of errors and just be able to to, to deliver a high level of, of, of quality music? Do you? Uh, I think the standard was different back then. Yeah, because we yeah. we don't have the accessibility of music. So you, I mean, when you put a, they had CDs, tape recorders, all this stuff. Yeah. So yeah. now you have to listen to the whole thing. You don't want to skip anything because now you got to replay, rewind it. So mm. the standards were different in the playability. And yeah, then so much. It's, yeah, so, so much. much different. You can skip a song if you don't like it. Back then you really could. I mean, CDs, yeah, but you yeah. still give it. I think the standard has changed. I'm just going to leave it there. The yeah, sure. I think a big thing too is album sales are different now, right? The, yeah, when we yeah, talk about streaming versus selling, right? So yeah. like a lot of artists put a bunch of songs in an album, not even for the sake of like, it's like the indifference and intention, right? Like back then, like they put the, that many songs in their CDs because they had that many good songs in it, yeah. the album. Nowadays, they just put filler tracks just, just to get on. reach a certain mm-hmm. number for the label so that they can sell more, right? Because every stream counts. Like as you listen through to an album, Mm-hmm. Everything counts towards like a bigger amount of sales, right? So like they just want to get as many streams as possible. And to do that, you need more tracks and more listens, you know what I'm saying, across the entire album. And the only way to do that is to kind of make better music or like have yeah. more songs, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh so that I think that's a big a big thing. It's just like reaching the a certain game. amount of sales. The yeah, streaming, the streaming, game the streaming game changed everything, you know. For sure. Um and I guess our last game, man. Mess sorry, up. <laughs> I just, sorry, mess up the the music. Mess game, up the bro. game. Yeah. yeah, for sure. 
Um, and I'll get into our last review with Spillers, Spillers Village and Benji's Love Gun EP. Um, in this EP, it contains a soulful set of tracks and Benji's sound draws inspiration from soul and hip hop, psych rock, as well as funk. And there's, you know, a series ranged out these tracks. Um, me and Savon were talking about it but, but um, before the pod. Like, this was really just a smooth listenability. Um, all the tracks really, like, flowed. I mean, it was, it was four songs, but they all had a purpose to them. Uh, mm-hmm. to, to you, Maurice, what, what were your initial thoughts on this EP? Yeah, man, I love EPs like this. I feel like I want more EPs from my favorite artists because it's like when you have like this idea of like this like theme you want, like you don't have to make a whole album about it because that's when you start having filler tracks and all this stuff, you know, all this junk, right? That doesn't really fit the theme, but it kind of fits the theme. Nah, like EPs are meant for every single song fits the theme and it flows together very well. You know what I'm saying? Definitely. And so I wish I I wish we had more stuff like that. But yeah, Mm -hmm. this one was very solid. I was listening through and I was like, oh, I didn't even realize that it repeated because it was so like, yeah, it was just so yeah, yeah, serious, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I just really enjoyed uh, everything about the EP and it, it felt like a good listen, you know? Absolutely. Uh, Savon, to you, what were your initial thoughts on it and some of like the highlights of it throughout it? Yeah, this is this was beautiful music. Um, I never heard of him before. I obviously I thought we were listening to it because Spill Village was evolved. Then I was yeah. anticipating hearing GID or Earth Gang or somebody, and then I was like, "Oh, it's just him." <laughs> I'm, I'm not totally yeah. disappointed, but yeah. I thought this was a that good listen. That was surprising. That was yeah. Surprising. Yeah, I was yeah, confused. A, yeah, was I was it, like, did he just go through? I know he's part of Spill Village, but did he just like? Use attach it to. I think he attached yeah, it. I think he yeah, did. I mean, that's what it was. Because he's okay. a solo artist. Because everybody's yeah. a solo artist. He just attached. He was like, probably got their permission. Like, hey, yeah. let me just for yeah. an EP. It ain't no album because oh, it's just an <laughs> EP. Yeah. But um, the only song that I didn't like fully was Sade. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was a good change to the EP. And then you get Georgia, which I thought was to me the best track on there. And oh, just yeah. it just yeah. feels yeah. good. But I, did, yeah. I do think it flows well, and then I do, I do think you have to have that song that changes so it won't get redundant. But I yeah. just didn't like draw to it like that. But overall, good EP, and like you said, Reese, I wish Drake should do a five song EP. Man. Scary Hours Three, bro. Where was it? It's supposed to, it was supposed to come this year. He's been saying the last few years. Because <laughs> we got that, and that that whole EP was fire, bro. We got a bunch. We got some good tracks off the EP. Yeah, oh, scary hours too. Yeah, scary yeah. hours too. Yeah. crazy. I guess he time. said that scary hours three was technically supposed to have eight AM and uh, Charlotte on it, right? Like, yeah, that was he said that for. He the, wanted to like more of a Griselda, video. more of a Griselda gritty type of vibe for like yeah, his like next EP or something. So yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. What year hiatus, my butt. He's, he's gonna, gonna go back. out. He's gonna be he's back gonna Tuesday. Go <laughs> he's gonna go out. <laughs> he's gonna he, he's gonna be put back out like four Tuesday. albums. He's put out four albums in the last three years. I think. Yeah, dude. I mean, yeah. I think he. I think. Uh, I think he. I think the highest. We're, we're talking good. about him again, Savon. We're talking about him again. It's, all, it's the Drake effect, bro. <laughs> we it's hard. About... He's the goat, bro. Yeah. He's, he's the one of the goats. It's hard not to talk about his music. Yeah. Sure. I think we're in a time where people actually like recognize him as the goat now. You know, before it was like, oh, Drake. Yeah, like, you Drake. like Drake? You know? He's, he's yeah. talking love. He does yeah. stuff. Hey, like hey. Exactly. Hey, hey. <laughs> you like Michael Serp, eh? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's like not even a question. I think most no, people are like, no. nah, this. He's it's unquestionable. He literally, yeah. like, he tied Michael Jackson for number one hits. Like, he might, I think he surpassed him, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, 
I mean, you you can't deny that fact. Well, you know I think not. I think he he was he was upset because he said he should have fourteen, but they never credited yeah. him on sickle mode. He never yep, was yep, credited yep. on sickle mode, which yeah, that should that, be his fourteenth. So they never true because he yeah. made that song. He made yeah. oh my goodness. Oh for sure, hundred percent. Sun is down. Yeah. Sun is down. Yeah. Recent- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but 18 hours till I land. <laughs> <laughs> Out like I like. Exactly. You already know, bro. That Come made the on, track, man. Bro. That made the track. Yeah, I don't sir. even remember Travis part, bro. <laughs> <laughs> what did Travis say? <laughs> no, for real. I don't remember. Oh, no. I'll hear him say, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Travis effect right there, man. No, that's definitely, definitely the Travis effect. Um, but, but before we close out, in, in terms of like the, imp- the impressive albums you heard this year so far, Reese, like to me, like, um, Diddy put out a really good album. Killer Mike put out a good one. Uh, Made up for R and B. I thought she was she, she was really dope. Yeah, uh, to to yeah, you, yeah. were there were there any there have there been any particular albums this year that have kind of been your like standouts or the one you, you kind of keep going back to? Yeah, man. I think um, I can't remember. Did the Yadi album come out this year? Oh yeah, January, year? January. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that came was, out this cool. year. I think that was, that was cool. uh, like amazing. That. Um, that one, Tizo dropped an album. Um, so I haven't listened to hmm. that. Yeah, that I'm one, dude, dude. That's yeah, like his debut album, right? And he, I'm so glad that he got like the spotlight from Drake. Now and he go back did, he killed it. it. Yeah. yeah, you should definitely like. It's Tizo like I think it's probably the most unique project I've heard this year. Um, because Tizo's just a unique person, right? But this like, dude right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tizo, Tizo. He was off. He was on the Drake album. He was on. Yeah, two. I didn't know he looked like this. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Hey, look. He put out good music. Island, like <laughs> he'd be looking crazy in his photos, but it's it's art, man. It's art, you know. Uh, art. <laughs> look, man. That's what. Hey, bro. I I'm kids, I'm just trying to. Kids it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> he know touchdown. He played football. Did, did anybody know? Hey, yo, I don't no. even know. No, no I don't he got that it. name. He was like, Tito, touchdown. Tito, touchdown. Touchdown. That we got today, bro, bro. That's what I'm talking about. Man, yeah. But nah, the album was good. I think y'all should listen to that. Um, I'm going to add it now. And yeah, obviously the Travis album and the Drake album were both yes. up there for me. Definitely. Do you think uh, do you think Kendrick and Baby Keem are going to drop their, their collab <laughs> album this year? This year? Nah. I think next year. I think 20. Too much going on. Too much I mean, yeah, Meek Mill, Rick Ross are dropping. We talked talk about Wale. Wale's going to be dropping tonight. So it's yeah. a lot of artists are trying to pick. Picking back up and and Nicki yeah. dropping next next month so and they want yeah. the floor I think they want the floor they what happened with the Nicki quiet. and Drake feature what happened with the Nicki Nicki was supposed to be Ooh, on oh, I don't want that oh man come on Bro, I haven't even heard Nicki in so long like what was the last so yeah her voice so annoying bro. I used to love Nicki, boy. That pink yeah. album had me on straights, boy. I was in yeah, a straight pink. jacket with pink. Yeah, yes, sir. <laughs> Pills and potion. <laughs> <laughs> what a time. <laughs> What a time. <laughs> what a time, bro. It's crazy that they're, uh, bro, Young Money was just so dominant back then. Like, you Have talk we ever about seen Lil a Wayne. run? Man, that run yeah. is insane, bro. Yeah. Yeah. What a all, th- all three of them, Lil Wayne, Drake, and Nicki, just all being the best at, like, at I'm so glad you didn't say Tiger. Somebody, I was talking to a friend, <laughs> oh, and nah, they bro. said Tiger. <laughs> stop. Stop. I was like, no. No, Tiger even signed to Young Money like he's, that. He's not sitting at that lunch table. He was signed to Young Money, like okay. Yeah. I was like, because him and Drake were beefing, so I didn't even know they were signed. He was signed like that. Yeah, he was like he was part of the the lineup. 
Oh, That's why sorry. you get that weak song in, in Bedrock. I'm gonna make a bed. His song, <laughs> everybody verse was trash except Wayne's for real. What, for real. what did Drake but, say about Tiger? You need to act your age and not your girl's age. Yeah, <laughs> uh, what's called, bro? Six That's how you in an album, bro. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. how you in the album. That's crazy. That's what was that? Yeah, was that 5 a.m. in Toronto or 9 a.m. in 6 p.m. in New York. 6 p.m. in New York. That's a good one, too. He went in. Goodness. Oh, you got to love it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Boy, he was on with that whole- I'm saying, bro. I heard it was circulated. Whole... Let's just get to the bottom of it. Oh, love exactly, it. bro. Shivers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We're not going to get him again. We're bro. not going to get that guy. Again. We're not going to get that guy again. But it's okay. No. It's okay. It's okay. It's not okay. I think the sooner you accept that, Savon, the sooner you'll like realize that, like, I don't know, maybe down. he just needs to pull. I, the thing is, like, we want him to be like a Jay Z, where he like holds back and only puts out music. Maybe not. Maybe gonna, not. But I think that? some some people want him to be like this, like, person that he's not. I feel like Drake now he doesn't care about proving anything to, anymore because he's he doesn't have to because of his stats right yeah right and so in order to back that up he's just gonna keep making records and to keep making records he's not gonna give us another you know 6 p.m in new york you know what i'm saying he's gonna give us another late night you know what i'm he saying got close the, the old heads say the old heads close. say they want him to make an album like 444 and that's never gonna happen it's not gonna make yeah. an album. No, like, we don't want that. That's, not, not some the people OG are saying fans. that. Some people are saying that, like, make an album like Jay Z. That Jay-Z's album was four trash. Four. Oh, <laughs> that was trash. Four was so good. Four 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 was so. No, good. it yeah. was not, bro. Four four was so good. It was that hot was booty. Nah, nah, it's just like, bro. I think at a certain point you get to like, as like a rapper, you get to like a point where you have to rap about different things because your life changes. I think like Logic yeah. touched on this. Where like he's becoming a dad and he's like, all right, I'm not gonna rap about whatever before because I'm a dad now. I'm gonna start rapping about that now. Logic is washed, obviously. Like he uh, he had he's his doing his thing, yeah. <laughs> but I think he should have retired. He should have retired when he, he said he was gonna retire. He said every yeah, album's a retirement album. Every bro, album a retirement album. This is my retirement album. Gone, bro. Yeah, a retirement album. So- a retirement album is supposed to be like a serious sacred moment. We don't need yes, a yeah, retirement yeah. albums, bro. <laughs> That's like saying I'm retired and you show up to work on Monday. What are you yeah, doing, yeah. bro? Yeah. It's like when Tom him. Brady came back, man. When Tom Brady came uh, back. Stay gone. <laughs> stay gone. Oh, man. It's over. Just go. For sure. For all the dogs. For all the dogs. <laughs> For all the dogs. <laughs> Need, does. I, I hope Drake doesn't do that when he's 42. Like, he's just going to come back. It's like, Drake, it's, it's done. It's done. It's done. <laughs> After he turns 40, he don't need he's to got, no He's got to be. Future's, four, future's, saying, future's almost 40. Future's almost 40. And he's, he's going to be Future's different. Out. Future and trap. He, that's that's true. But see, that's what that's I'm true. saying, bro. Why like, does Future we, get a pass? Man? Yeah. Future, no, because Future is not on his level. <laughs> he's not considered a GOAT. Yeah, I mean he's he's a golden trap though. He's, he's a golden, golden trap. trap though. He is a golden nah, trap. Nah. But that's like that's a lane, right? So he we, he's gonna we don't stay do that. trapping. You know? No, we don't do goats and trap. No, it, goat is just for overall. We I don't guess in do terms of specific... influence though, like tr- like Travis Young Thug, right? They're not like I mean not Travis, a uh, future Young Thug. They're like like uh, goats in that influence. You know what I'm saying? And they're not lane. And that's not, not in terms Why, of like. Overall. Goat, that's then you're using it usually. They're they're icons, I would say. Yeah. In that goat is okay. It's like, a sacred term. A, it's a sacred yeah. term. Up there, bro. Yeah. Okay. Futures, I'll say icons. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you just yeah. can't use that lightly. Yeah. I'm not saying nobody to goat for trap anyways. That's a, what? 
<laughs> it's a one dimensional, like yeah, know, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like a lot of music these days is just like, like, bro, talk about something like, yes, bro, that's how gonna ma- change my life. Like, I'm, I'm, how like, much cocaine are you cooking at yeah, this point in time, bro? Yeah, yeah, cocaine ain't even a drug no more. Push it, push it. You're not living that life. Push it to me. Push it, need to. He need to go somewhere. He need to convert to Christianity. He you know need to come gonna, on home. You know he's gonna come like back. You know he's gonna come back with a new. I'm so new tired of clips, him, bro. A new clips album oh in the same, <laughs> the same braids since 2003. I'm tired of his hairstyle too. Literally, bro. That's what I'm saying. I don't. Know how, I don't understand. Like as an artist, I get tired if I'm like talking about the same thing, right? Yeah. So I don't understand guys, how, how you guys talk about. I don't the same understand thing. how they like. I mean, I know they got other writers and stuff too, but like. I don't understand yeah. how they like literally talk about the same thing and not Every get tired of it, you know, year. like and just pump stuff up. I mean, I know it's their full time job, so they kind of got to, but like, you know, it's I, I can't do it creatively. You know what I'm saying? Like, I need yeah. something new to happen in my life to write. You know what I'm saying? So last thing mm-hmm. I'll say, Savon, Kanye. There's a rumored collab album of Kanye and Ty Dolla Sign. Ty Dolla Sign yep, is trying to, trying to redeem himself after the Division collab album. <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I want that either. Not a tie. That's tie a weird, and That's a weird collab album, bro. It is. It I don't is. know about that. I don't know what we're gonna get out of that. Yeah. I don't want that. Just keep it. Just <laughs> keep it in the vaults. We don't want that. Nah. Well, Marisa, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. Uh, thank you. Thanks so much for being back. Back on, bro. Yeah, of course, man. Anytime, anytime. Definitely. We're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with our glorious bastards review. Welcome back to the show. Now we're getting into our Glorious Bastards review. And to start the overview, this is a 2009 war film written and directed by Quentin Tarantino, starring Brad Pitt, Christopher Waltz, Michael Fassbender, Eli Roth, and Diane Kruger. The film tells an alternate history story of two plots to assassinate Nazi Germany's leadership. at a budget of $70 million and brought in $321.5 million to the box office. Also had an 89% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and also had um, eight Academy Award nominations. Um, to start, start it off, I mean, what were your initial thoughts on a film? I mean, this is one, like we said, it's different. It has the historical elements, but it also has that humor and just sharp dialogue that Quentin Tarantino yeah. all have. You know, what I loved about this movie the most is the patience. Yes. Through it's scenes, the builds up. And sometimes that could get, like you get antsy, but how it was shot, the patience between the dialogue and the shooting, the interaction with the characters, it yeah. kind of gives you a wide scope of how these characters are, especially... Um, Colonel Hans Landa, and oh, yeah. the opening scene, you could just tell how smart Konami he was, <laughs> how like patient he was as a character to just like, I already know the truth, but I'm just going to put this out. I'm going to like slow play it, and then we're going to get down to nitty gritty. And when it got to the, the action, we were not disappointed. But I love the patience within the scene. I allow the scene to unfold is what yes. I love. I love the most about this film. And it was shot beautifully. I mean, Tarantino, he he. I mean, he's the uh, he does the 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 hero the shot a lot. Yeah, master. He does the hero shot, master of the pan, master of the 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 uh, jump cuts mm-hmm. within movies. So yeah, this was shot beautifully, but I love the patience and letting the scene develop and not yeah. trying to go to each scene and try to get as much as you can, even though it was a long long longer movie. Right, and, and that's the thing. Like, there's always like. Like to you, when a filmmaker has that, like Tarantino has always had that patience and always been able to just like, 
even for extended films, know how to like build it up and like, you know, have escalation in certain scenes. Where do you think that comes from? Do you think Tarantino just kind of like, maybe from an early, because maybe from his earlier films mastered that or or one of those things where just a trait where he just kind of always kind of like assembled it and knew it was going to be important if he was going to be a successful director? I think the older films did that a lot. They didn't, you know... He loves older films. Yeah, yeah older big. films. Older films took their time and let the dialogue and let the scene develop and not try to get to hurry to get to the climax of the movie and, and try to develop the plot quick and fast. They yeah. were always like slow playing it and just looking at uh, The Godfather, just thinking yes. about those scenes. It was such a slow developing scene, but the you dialogue, don't get bored. You don't, you get, don't bored get bored at all. because you know it's a lot, a lot of going on, but it keeps your, it makes sure your attention is drawn to what should be noticed. And this yeah. film does it too because you can look at how he was shot, how they're the, how they were moving, how they were talking about, do you mind if I smoke? And then he pulled out a pipe that just looked like, uh, <laughs> looked like he should blow bubbles. It was just like those little nuances of the scene that developed. Because they took their time to be able to do that, and it added to the character. Because yeah. he did, you know, it was so many things that, yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty Stand sure out. he learned that from the from the older films and kind of adapted to it and kind of made it his own in a different way. That Absolutely, makes sense. yeah. Um, and now getting to our first topic for one of four stars, what would you give it? Um, I, I would give it four because it, to me it had the right balance of you know being a wartime weapon, but also an elemental force, and just the study and suspense was at an extremely high level rate and. Like we said, the clever dialogue, it, it's, it works for every film of his. And yeah. this one and this one was even uh, uh, you know, as sharp in many aspects. Uh, to you, from one to four stars, what would be your rating? Definitely four stars. Uh, th- this, this film, I think, developed characters really well. And yeah. you know, if listeners, you always hear us say that because that's the beauty about film. You have to develop characters within this confine of time. And it's you essential. have to have great... Yeah, it's essential. You have to have great writing ability. And when you do that, and you may say, oh, it's a three-hour movie, but in, in I've seen three-hour movies and characters has not moved from the point A to point B. So to be able to do this and have excellent writing is pivotal for movies to be a four-star. So they developed characters really well. I think they had some heavy hitters, obviously Brad Pitt, Christopher Watts, even Danny Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're and then they- <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that scene kills me. Oh my goodness, man. And then <laughs> they had some other, uh, you had Michael Fansbender, and then you have Melani Lauren, who's, I think, who's a great actress. And then yes. Diane Kruger, who's a great actress. Absolutely. Then you have Samuel Jackson doing the voiceovers and the narrating. You know, so, he's got to be in. You know, he's got to be gotta in. Gotta it's be just something. But four stars, shot well, great actors, character development, great plot, great dialogue, the, the slow play and the patience to let the scene develop. That's pivotal in trying to adapt characters to the scene and i mean you can yeah 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 four stars let me get ahead of for sure um (laughs) but before we get to favorite character christopher waltz was exceptional in this film and he's had an exceptional career he 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 is a master of you know just smart acting high level Mm -hmm. acting um, the body language, all the elements he has to have in it to like make it sound, make it seem convincing of who he is. Like, what stood out to you and about him in this film, and just you know what he's been able to do with his career? He's so versatile, and I hate to use that word because he's more than versatility, and it's his ability to bring these characters. Because Quentin Tarantino 
took a while to cast that role and he came to Christopher Waltz to bring that role out. And then obviously they sat down and they talked about it and Christopher Waltz even added a tidbits of what the character should do and his reactions to certain things. That pipe wasn't in the script at first until he talked to him. He was like, yeah, I should pull out a pipe too, even though I, I know I don't smoke a pipe. So it's yeah. those, those little, little nuances of character development and just... Yeah, man, his his ability to bring characters alive. And Jamie Foxx said it himself. He was like, man, just watching him on Django, him ability to, it's like him just taking out a piece of paper. It's yeah. the way you do it. It's the, the way you say certain things is to be able to bring that character out even more and to just not just read off the paper or remember the words off the paper. So Christopher Walsh does a great job, even in Green Hornet when he played oh, yeah. uh, Rednoski. Like even that, bro, like, it's just, it's just, it's just a weird how he could bring, how you switch it on. Like it could be like lovely, <laughs> and then just and then just switches back to serious. Yeah, bro, that's that's, that's, that's hard that's such to a do. Tough skill. Yeah, it's such a tough skill. So he's very talented actor, and you can see it through every film he's been in. So yeah, definitely. Um, and now getting to favorite character, I, I would go with uh, Shosana Dreyfus because she was a very sharp, quick thinker who really had you know a masterful plan of, of relocating yeah. to Paris and changing her name. And was really one of the most pivotal characters uh, throughout him. And maybe not the most one, but definitely had had a big uh, part to play of of you know showing the film and having all the the, the, the characters and 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 um, uh, screen screen people in motion. So mm-hmm. you overall, who was your favorite character? Hans Landa, the Jew mm-hmm. hunter, the kid's character. You could tell how smart he was, and it made me feel like even in the character development, why he let her get away twice. And I'm thinking like. And that was the demise of the, the general leaders and the so-called hero in Frederick Zoller. Um, so it was it was just interesting. Like you you let all this happen. You smart this guy, you have a plan. Even him coming out with a plan, like, I want them dead, but I know this is the only way I can get out of this and yeah. be on the safe side. I mean, he didn't get away all the way because he had to. <clears throat> the thing in the middle of your head. Um, <clears throat> but his character was so pivotal. He was so smart. So just like, yeah. you don't know what he's going to do at all. Because you, you so see how he strangled. Yeah. You saw he strangled Brid- Bridget Von Hammond smart. I didn't think he was going to strangle her. I thought he was going to like, you know, have her like hanged or something. Yeah. But then you he did it himself. To- he's like, I'm doing yeah, this myself. Like, right? <laughs> and you look at Shoshana, he knew who she was. Yeah. And it was from just the like jump, from the jump, from the he just jump, he was he like was playing with her. He was he was just playing uh, with her. He's like, I'm just okay, gonna give it time. Exactly. You know, I'm like, I'll see you later, Shoshana. Shoshana. <laughs> <laughs> she was running too, boy. She was running. <laughs> With the running man. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and now getting into most memorable scenes, I had um the the uh, lapidate dairy dairy farm. Also, uh, uh, Lieutenant Outer Rain assembles the crew. The Bear Jews introduction. Shoshana has yes. worked with, with Atlanta. The name mm-hmm. game. The face of Jewish uh, vengeance, and, and finally the alternate death of, of Adolf Hitler. Uh, mm-hmm. To you, what were some of the top, you know, memorable scenes for this one? Every last one of those you just mentioned. Obviously, you always pick the great ones. The one when um, Lieutenant Archer Hickox and all of them, he did the wrong finger, and oh, yeah. I was like, oh, they smooth with it, okay. And then he messed up. He was like, oh, okay. I mean, you definitely lying now. I believed you at first, not fully, but that scene and then that whole just everybody died. And then she bent uh Bridget shot the old buddy who just had a son. Uh that scene, 
the scene, the last scene where they shot the dude and cut uh, uh, Hans Lana's head, that was a good scene. Tell me, what are you doing? You thought you should go scot free. All right, brother. You go. We you. All right. Yeah, you go. Be remember what you are, bro. You're not gonna escape, escape away this guy free. Um, and then the scene. <laughs> Did we talk about this when they first meet um, Hans Landa in the the theater? Oh. And, it, <laughs> and they're talking about what you just said earlier. Oh, uh, he was like, um, um, uh, oh, what did he say? Gorlami. <laughs> yeah, Oralami. Gorlami. <laughs> He was saying this other stuff as well. I was like, bro, this they caught. He already know anyways, because he's found her shoe in the yeah. in the in the little a little tavern or whatever. But those obviously those scenes and other scenes were, were really good. It's a bunch of scenes you can take from. Even um the the um the scene where Shoshana gets killed by Frederick Zoller. And I think that I was like, why would she check on him? Bro, I would have oh, yeah. still yeah. kept shooting him. Yeah, sure. I'm not about to any. Why did she check on him? Why did she? Oh my goodness! Yeah, he was, was ready. Like, he was yeah. ready. He was I knew like, he wasn't dead. He was just like, all right. She goes. She naive. She think, and then she's watching the movie, and then she results back to her normal self, and that's yeah. what got her killed. Like, bro, I would have, I would have shot him in the head. <laughs> Boom, boom. I'm, sure, nah, I'm not. I'm not going to check on you at all. Nah, <laughs> I'm not doing that. That at man all. killed how many people? <laughs> and you they got a right. They got a movie outside with him in it. He started nah. his own movie. Yeah, we not. We not. Nah, we not checking, buddy. We not I'm checking. Double tapping. You understand me? <laughs> then, then I'm throwing something on top of his head. I thought should have been ahead to make sure he's dead. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'll get into most memorable quotes. I had let's discuss the pro- prospect of ending the war tonight. Yeah. Okay, also, okay. If, if the shoe fits. I, on the other hand, love my unofficial title precisely because I've earned it. Um, that's a bingo. Also, you know, fighting in a basement offers a lot of difficulties. You get that for killing killing Jews and and uh, the Brad uh, Pitt uh, uh, line about uh, uh, Gorlami, and that was that that entire dialogue, mm-hmm. that funny humor. That's just. That's the balance of a Quentin Tarantino movie where you can still add in that that humor to an element, but before the movie, you know, uh, hits that climax. Uh, yes. To you, uh, what were some of the memorable quotes in this one? Um, the I just keep going back to the last scene. He was like, "I put a wash gun for that man's life." He was like, "Nah, that you made a deal with them. They don't need him." He was like, "You'll be shot for this." He was like. Nah, more like chewed out. I've been chewed out before. Oh, yeah, I've been pretty <laughs> That was so funny. And then um the um when they were hand tied, he was talking about the 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 one the one you were just saying. He was like, Oh, so you are, are the uh, Apache, whatever, and the little man. He was like, that's what they were referring to me? The the little man? It's like, and I'm so surprised by your stature. I thought you were gonna be a that's- what? That's the humor. That's the humor. In it. That's the humor in it. That whole Westcom. It's like the. Did I say that right? He was. And he was so chill, but he just went back to it. I'm like, bro, that's bro, the shift so change tough. of emotion is tough. But that that was the one that that stood out the most. And then the origami and all. <laughs> Gorlami. Gor- <laughs> he said it three times. He said it three times. <laughs> and they kept doing this. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Um, and now get into what did you like the most about the storyline? Uh, to me, just how it focused on three different characters and chapters of the story arc, plus, you know, turning the, the World War II elements of just 
you know, more of an epic film progression and, and didn't settle for complacency. Because like we said, there have been longer films that, that got complacent. This one did not at all. It, it, it kept it kept up the pace and the intensity throughout it. Um, to, to you, like what particular element of the storyline did you like the most? The um, That it was an alternate ending to the war. Yeah. Um, that they utilized the film within a film. That um, the guy who transcended German film is one of the you know higher ups in Hitler's um, um, brigade or whatever you want to call it. I love how they used that, and then they died in a the film. They died at a theater. They died like um, <laughs> Abraham Lincoln. Uh, I thought that was fun. I don't know if he tried to do that, but I thought it was it was very interesting that. Um, yeah, that was it was different. It was alternate ending, so you could do so many ways with it. But I love how it ended it. People on fire, people getting shot, and they left those two idiots alive <laughs> in the theater. All the people. Um, but overall, I love how it was so many um names, so many stories within the story. Like yeah. a little patchy, uh, the dude that was knocking people head with the bat, the Jew bear or something like that. Um mm-hmm. It was it was so much outside of just the the ambiance of letting the scenes open up and, and allow it to just indulge. But I love how it was like like more than just the regular script, allowing an alternate ending to be funny as well as uh, plausible. Because Hitler did go to the theater a he lot, did. so it was just like they did their research and the alternate ending made sense. So, I, I, yeah, because you can, obviously, there's so many ways you could kill Iller if you wrote about it, but you did it in the theater and one of his things that he really loved. So, I don't know. It was just, it was just interesting that they did sure. it that way. And, and before we get to our, to our last topic, the, this, I think this was the second Tarantino film that, that Brad Pitt had been a part of. And obviously, like, he's been in so many great films. But what do you think, you know, you know kind of makes him kind of have chemistry with Tarantino films? Because he was in also in... Um, once upon a time in Hollywood, and even in yeah. this one, he has a great performance. Like, 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 like. Do you feel as though it's a kind of a mutual respect of, hey, Tarantino is one of the best directors, and I can kind of like immerse myself into a different role that I'm not usually a part of. Yeah, I think Tarantino has a great way of writing characters and writing for people that he's normally used, and I think in in each character is going to be different. And it's going to allow you to be versatile in those roles and bring out different angles of yourself as an individual art, uh, actor. And I think it's going to challenge you. I think all the characters that Tarantino writes are challenging. And that's why it took him so long to get uh, the character of Christopher Walsh, what he played at Lanza, to, to be cast. So I think with every, I think actors are jumping at the bit. That's why Samuel Jackson's like, man, I'll be trying to, it was one move I didn't get into. He, he, he couldn't write me in. But because it's he how he challenges you and his characters that he writes for challenge you to be a better actor and to yeah. be outside your comfort zone. And uh, Jamie Foxx said to himself, he's like, man, I went in it this way. He was like, pull me in another room. It's like, bro, I knew this was going to be happening. Like, just be this, do this. And it worked out the way that Tarantino saw it in his head. So yeah. it challenges you to not go in it a certain way, but just stick to stick to the, the confines of the character because it's going to guide you to be just to open you up a little bit. So I think with every character he does, actors love to be challenged and, and Tarantino as a director is going to challenge you. For sure. Um, and I'll get into our last topic 10 years from now. Do you still think it'll be watchable and intriguing? Um, I definitely think it will because, you know, like we said, when you have a film this long, but you have the, the sharp dialogue and humor and 
it's just an entertaining movie to watch. Like it's one that's that's you're really even if you're a casual movie watcher and, and you're not maybe as familiar with Tarantino films, I think this is one that that still draws you in. It has that that humor that I mm. think most audiences are gonna like. Um, yeah. and, and just that, 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 you know, edge of your seat, like that basement shootout, everybody kind of, I think oh, when people watched that was just like, yeah, that's another scene I, I forgot to mention, but that was one you were just wondering, how is this going to end up? You know, like, like how are things going to play out? And I think it, it just has that, that captivating nature to it. But, uh, 10 years from now, how do you think this, this will, you know, be viewed as watchability and, and, and intriguing? Definitely watchable. Just the, the beauty of obviously where they're shooting at. In Germany and Paris and all these places, right. France, all these places, and just how it was shot the if the the slow play development allowing the scenes to to take its form and then it cuts into just some gritty stuff like we talked about the opening scene how a slow play of dialogue and then they yeah. shot up the house and he let somebody go and where he should have he could have killed her. And then it, it cuts back to him letting her go again. So it's something there because that makes you think, why does he keep letting her go? Yeah. Character, like, and then it makes you think. So I think this film doesn't make you, makes you think is you glued to the screen. Yes, yeah, long, but it's a beautiful movie, I think. And then it's it's part, it's, it's a, a Tarantino film. It's it's one of his it's one of his babies. So if you're a fan of Tarantino, you'll go back. And then Brad Pitt was like stupid funny. His accent was just like dumb stunt, stupid funny the whole time. I'm like, I can't picture him. Talking like this in That's normal what I'm life, so nah, it was it's definitely rewatchable. Definitely. Where do you, do you think it's like? Where, where would you, like in terms of like the the because there's obviously 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 like Hall of Fame Tarantino movies like Pulp Fiction, yeah, Jackie Brown, Django and Chain, they both Kill Bills, yes, um, R- Reservoir Dogs as well. Like, mm-hmm. is there a, like like where do you rank this among like the best? Okay, ten. Because all the movies you name. Are better they're than better. this. Movie. They're better, yeah. Yeah, you have to both kill bills are like five and seven. They're they're top ten. And then yeah. you have Pulp Fiction, I think, should be like one or two. Django's top five. Um Reservoir Dogs is like eight. Like it's so many of his Jackie films. Brown. Jackie Brown is Jackie was Brown was a really love, good love film. Oh, and I even have Desperado in the top ten. And that's okay. yeah, Des- and then you have um Dust Till Dawn is a good one. Oh, yeah. That was underrated. So he has a lot of films. He's got a catalog. He's got a catalog. Yeah. (laughs) This was good. I think it's top 10. I think it's number 10. It's stamped at number 10. But all those other films were, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's hard to put this one. You know what I mean? And it's in front of those. Look, we said it was four stars, but that just shows you how stacked Tarantino's catalog is. Yes. Because you got a lot of movies to pass if you want to be in that. Mm -hmm. And this. It's just tough to, to tough to surpass. Pulp Fiction is a four star. Reservoir Dogs is three and a half four star. Django is a four star. Jackie Brown's a four star. Like it's he got some he got some hits, man. It's hard to put anything in that top five. It has to be like clean, blameless. For sure. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's like number ten. Well, that wraps it up for tonight. I'm host one of the friends on my counterpart, Savon Morris. This has been Full Scope. See you later.